So today, to lighten things up, I'm going to talk about hell today. How about that, okay? So, uh, and so I've titled the sermon, Jesus Went to Hell So That You and I Don't Have To. And that's what Jesus' death and resurrection are all about. Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God that is justly due upon us because we're all sinners. So why did Jesus come? The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to undo everything that Satan has done. By his, the beginning of deceptions in the Garden of Eden, when, he, when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God, and then from that sin, God said, if you sin, you're going to die. And to undo what has happened in that sin. So how did he do it? How did Jesus come to undo what Satan had done? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Again, if you're new here, uh, this is one of the things that I do. I'm going to read a lot of Bible verses. Uh, that's just the way I do it. Uh, so be a lot of Bible verses. So there's, there, I'm telling you. There's no end to good preachers that you can listen to. I mean, you can go on. The, I love listening to Tim Keller. I love listening to Robert Morris. There's about, you can fill your day with good preachers. So on Sundays, you got to settle, okay? Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, you got to take what you got, okay? This is how we do it. But God demonstrates his own love for us. God demonstrates his love. We know that God loves us. How do we know that he loves us? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God doesn't say, listen, you get to act, get your act together. You start maybe, you know, doing better. You do better, then I'll love you. How many of you knew, how many of you realized that if God had to wait for you to do better for him to love you, that you never would have received his love? right? He doesn't say you got to stop sinning to come to me. He says, no, I'm going to take you right the way you are. Just messed up in sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us since we've now been justified by his blood. Now that's a legal term justified. And we think about what does justified mean? One of the ways to think about this, if you've never heard this before, it's just as if I never sinned. So, so how does God see you? You're justified. So does God see you with the sins you did this morning as you were trying to get everybody ready for church and you lost your temper and you yelled at your wife and you cussed at the kids a little bit? So does Jesus say, yeah, I don't know. Man, I died for them on the cross and they're not very thankful. How does, how does he see us? Does he see us still in our sins or does he see us in his righteousness? He sees us in his righteousness. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So what we're saved from, we talk about being saved. What are we being saved from? We're being saved from the wrath of God. You and I deserve the wrath of God because we are sinners and we sin. Anybody here recognize that you're a sinner? Anybody here ever lie? Anybody here ever tell a lie? How many lies you got to tell to be a sinner? How many paper clips from the office you got to rip off? How many of those pens you got to take from the bank? Some of you need to repent of that. 
They're free. Yeah, just like the pens in front of you are free. <laughs> you can take those pens. You'll burn in hell, but <laughs> just, you know. No, you can, if you need a pen, go buy one. Because uh, <laughs> those cost us 19, 20 cents. They were a big investment. They were, they were a lot. So for while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. So through his death, the blood that he shed, his resurrection, he offers us reconciliation. Now we know that Jesus died. In Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, some of the last words of Jesus were, it is finished. You know what the last words were of Buddha? Keep striving. You know the difference? You see the difference? Buddha says, you got to keep working at trying to get to nirvana. you got to do better. you got to try harder. You're not there yet. You're not going to get there yet. You know, when Buddha died, he wasn't there yet. Jesus said, done it. Finished. You just get to celebrate in it. You get to receive it. The finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus dies on the cross. What is death? Death is a separation. Death is a dividing of things that ought to be united. Fundamentally, first of all, it is a separation from from God. When we sin, we are separated from God. Genesis 2, 17. God said to Adam and Eve, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, did they drop dead when they ate the fruit? No. But did they... Did they eventually? Yes. Yes. They died spiritually in that instant, separated from God, the fellowship that they'd had with God, walking with God in the cool of the day, being with God in the garden, ruling and reigning with God in the garden was lost, and they were cast out of the garden. That relationship was destroyed. They died spiritually that moment, and you and I, because we're in Adam, have all sinned. We participate in that sin in the garden. And we don't need much help. We're going to sin without Adam and Eve anyway. Right? So we're all sinners. So we're separated. Paul says you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. To walk in sin is to be enslaved to dark powers, to be separated from God, to be children of his wrath. It's a a type of separation, an estrangement, a hostility, an alienation from the life and hope of the living God. In this sense, all of us, by nature, are born dead into sin. We're all sinners who have sinned. So we're all worthy of the wrath of God. That death marks the separation from soul and body. God made human beings to be a soul with a body and a body with a soul. We're You were made to, you have a body, and you have a soul that's eternal, and you have a body that's temporary. At death, those two things are separated. In Psalm 1610, it kind of describes it. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. This is a a Psalm of David about the Messiah. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. 
So this kind of directs us to what normally happens when a person dies prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The soul was abandoned to Sheol and the body decays. We know that that happens, right? When the moment a person dies and the soul departs from that person, that body begins to decay. David saw the Messiah and he said, the Messiah, God is not going to allow him to undergo decay because death has no rights on Jesus. Why does death have no rights on Jesus? The wages of sin is death. Jesus didn't sin. So death had no judicial right to kill him. So he did not undergo decay. So what's Sheol? Well, the Bible describes Sheol as this eternal place of punishment. Right now, it's in the earth. That's what the Bible says. It's the place of the souls of the dead, both the righteous, like Jacob, Samuel, Abel, David, Noah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all, the, all those that had faith in God, and Samuel, and the wicked. In the New Testament, the, word, uh, the Hebrew word Sheol is translated Hades, and it has a lot of similarities to Greek mythology, some of the elements of Hades in Greek mythology. Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus gives us one of the most extended depictions of the afterlife before his resurrection. So this is, bef- this is before his resurrection. He tells this story. Now, there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day, and a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So he's hungry, and he wish he could get the crumbs from the table, but he's not getting them. Isn't that what it says? It said he wish he could get them. He was longing to be fed from the crumbs that were falling from the rich man's table, but the rich man's not bothered with it. He's not bothered with what's happening to Lazarus outside his gate, okay? Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried in Hades. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away, and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, bad things, but now he's being comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that they may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Speaking of himself, of course. So here we learn that biblical Sheol, Hades, has two compartments. It has Hades, it's where the rich man is sent. Hades is a place of torment. It's a place where the fire causes anguish to the souls imprisoned there. Is the, is the fire real or figurative? I don't want to find out. Right? 
It seems like it's an eternal fire, but is it, is it, is it just a way to describe a time, place of, of enduring torment? I don't know. It's a, it's a place of enduring separation and loneliness. Hell is not a party. You ever be like, I'm going to go to hell because all my friends are there. We're going to have one hell of a party in hell. Usually they have a beer in their hand when they say that. They say that. At least, at least one. They have to at least one. Uh, but that's hell. Is hell is not a place where there's going to be a big party. Hell is a hell is not where where all the partiers go. So we're going to go party in hell. That's not what that says. Hell is a place of separation, loss, loneliness, anxiety, regret. The Bible says there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, you ever you ever regret something where you look back and you go, Oh, why did I do that? Oh, of you know of remembering the things that you could have done and should have done. That's hell. Abraham's bosom, which is paradise, on the other hand while within shouting distance of Hades, is separated by a great chasm. And instead of being a place of torment, it's a place of comfort and rest. So the poor man, Lazarus, is being comforted by Abraham in his place of eternal rest. Now, when Jesus died, he went to Sheol. His body was laid in Joseph's tomb. We sang about it. His body was laid in Joseph's tomb, but his spirit went to Sheol. We know that because Jesus said in Luke chapter 23 to the thief on the cross, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. His body was in Joseph's tomb and his soul was three days in Sheol in the heart of the earth. Matthew 10, 12, 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah was not camping out in the belly of the sea monster. He was dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in Sunday school. They showed pictures of Jonah in the belly in the whale, and like he's like hanging out. He's like cooking hot dogs, you know, and uh, he's got a campfire in the belly of the whale. And he's just waiting his three days to get out. The, Jonah, in the book of Jonah, Jonah says, I cried out from the pit and you heard me. Jonah was dead. Jonah was dead because Jonah was going to be a type of Christ. Jonah was in the whale just like Jesus was in the earth for three days. So Jesus is in Sheol for three days. And the Bible, we don't, ha we don't have a lot of information about what Jesus did. First Peter says that he preached to those who were captive. So he, he journeys into Hades, and, and for three days he's hanging out. He's in paradise. He's, he's in paradise. He's hanging out with Abraham and David and Jeremiah and Isaiah, all, the, all, the, all those that saw Jesus prophetically, all those who believed in him by faith, and he's with them. And then on the third day, something happens. On the third day, it's almost like Jesus turns to Abraham and says, hey, hold my crown. <laughs> 
Hold my, watch this, boys. And he goes and rips the gates of Hades off their hinges. And he goes to the devil and he takes from, the, from him the keys of hell and death and the grave. And he renders him in that moment. He overcomes and defeats death. And he says, now guys, watch this. And he takes them and he leads all of those saints who have believed in faith in God up until that time. He leads all of them. He says, guys, we are leaving here and we are going to go and be with the Father. And he takes all of those and he leads captivity captive. And he takes them, but he makes a stop. He makes a stop because he's on his way to take them to the presence of the Father and he sees Mary at the tomb. So he goes and talks to Mary and she says to Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. And that's why I think while Jesus is talking with Mary, it says in Jerusalem during that time, they saw saints walking around. Jesus says, hey, you guys. Go check out Jerusalem. You hadn't been there in a while. Go check out Jerusalem. I'm going to go talk to Mary. And then he leads them all. He ascends into the present heaven with the Father. He leads them into their reward in heaven. When I saw him, Revelation 1, 17, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last, I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Amen? So he liberates all of the Old Testament saints and brings them into the presence of the Lord. Psalm 86, 13. For your loving kindness towards me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Jesus conquered hell. Jesus ascends to heaven, brings the ransomed dead with him so that now paradise is no longer in the pit. Paradise is no longer in Sheol. It's in the present heaven where God dwells. Anybody know where heaven is? Heaven's wherever God is. <laughs> now, I'm going to talk about heaven next week because I think there's a lot of, about heaven you don't know about. I think some of you think that heaven is going to be one long church service. <laughs> kind of scares you. <laughs> you think. Except, yeah, it depends on who's preaching. It depends on who's preaching. Get Robert Morris, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's not. The present heaven is not the same as the future heaven. There's going to be another heaven. Now, it's always where God is. Where's God? Where's, where's heaven? Wherever God is. And so I'm not going to tell you the answer to that. There's, there's a spoiler there that I want you to know about. Stay tuned for the exciting conclusion next week. Don't go to hell. Instead, go to heaven. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high... He led a captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, when the righteous die, they aren't carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. They depart to be with Christ. 
which is far better. I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. But the wicked remain in Hades in torment until the final judgment, when Hades gives up the dead who dwell there, and they are judged according to their deeds, then death and Hades are thrown into hell into the lake of fire. Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it. This is like the end of all times. This is the great white throne judgment. God is judging everybody. From whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. And were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. How many of you want to be there for the video of everybody's life? Okay. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. How do you not go to hell? Or how do you escape hell? You need your name written in the book of life. Because if you're trying to go to heaven on your deeds, you're not going to make it. Because you may have some good deeds. I'm telling you, you may have some good deeds. You may have some great deeds. But they don't outweigh your sins. So if you're going to go by, if it's going to be good deeds, bad deeds, I'm a good person, I'm going to make it to heaven on my good deeds, your good deeds are going to get you to heaven. The Bible says your good deeds are, are not even considered good because your motivation isn't right. Uh, he knows the very motivation of your heart. So you can't get to heaven on your good deeds. How do you got to get to heaven? You need to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the secret. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7. And to give relief to those who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will, will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among those who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. Paul is saying, if you believe in heaven, then you also need to believe in hell. It's real. If heaven is real, if heaven is eternal, then hell is real. And hell is eternal. If the fire that is spoken about by Jesus more than anybody else, the eternal torment that is spoken of, if it is figurative, it, does, it means something different. I don't want to know whatever it represents. It is torment. What it is is eternal torment. Hell will be a place of unbelievable loneliness and regrets, eternally separated from the presence of God. What makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. What makes hell hell is the absence of the presence of God. Because every good thing you have ever experienced was because of the presence of God. Everything loving, everything wonderful was because of the presence of God. Every friendship, your family, it's all absent there. Here's the reality. Heaven 
is not our default destiny. Hell is. Unless something happens, unless someone intervenes on our behalf, we are all destined to hell. I've been to a lot of funerals. And if you listened at what most people say at most funerals, you would assume that most people go to heaven. And I've, I've actually, there's, a, there's a phenomenon it, that some people believe that they believe that the preacher somehow has the power to determine where you're going to spend eternity. So they lie to the preacher. Because it's almost like if you say Uncle Bob's going to heaven, then he's getting in. So, so before the funeral, they're saying, oh, Uncle Bob was kind. He was the best. He was so loving. He was the best man. He was one of Then after the funeral, boy, that Uncle Bob was a scoundrel. He was a drunk. <laughs> Blessed his kids. So what? So see, they're ho- they think you're going you're gonna to get them in he- You're going to talk them into heaven. That's not how you get into heaven. But a lot of people believe that you get into heaven by your behavior. That if you were good enough, you go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. But that's not the reality. You see, the reality is, for every one American who believes they're going to hell, 120 believe they're going to heaven. People don't believe in hell. They don't believe anyone's deserving of hell. But Jesus said the exact opposite is true. Here's what Jesus said. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate... And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And then he defined to them what the gate was. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, here's the good news of Easter Sunday. Because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, you and I can't escape hell. Because Jesus defeated hell and rose again, we can receive salvation. Romans 5. But yet God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. More Then having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. How do you, so you have to get your name in the book. So there's book of deeds. You don't want to be judged by your deeds, right? Because you got some bad ones there. Anybody got any bad deeds in the book? Do you want them to throw your book away and instead have your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Yeah. See, because when, when it comes to judgment and they say, when God says, Randy Hewitt, why should I let you in heaven? Do you know what I'm going to say? Because of Jesus. Yeah. Because one day, he wrote my name in the book. And I'm saved not because I've been, oh, I've been a preacher forever. God owes me. 
Oh, I've been good. I gave money. Folks, I gave money. Oh, I gave money. So God's going to, you can't buy your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. And you certainly can't bargain your way to heaven. But you can get it free through the complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Receive what Jesus did. You believe the gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus died for my sins. I receive him as Lord. I believe that he is Lord, and I get him as Savior. I have to accept him as Lord, and he becomes my Savior. He can't be my Savior if he's not my Lord. Right? So I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Let's stand. Thank you for being with us today. Now, maybe you've never, you know, didn't think that was the best call talk about hell on Easter Sunday. People come one Sunday a year and you're going to literally try to scare the hell out of them. So, so my point is Jesus came to accomplish something on your behalf. Jesus died for my sins. He died for your sins. Jesus died to set us free from the law of sin and death. And we receive his salvation by believing you might have heard this verse, John 3.16. Kind of a big verse at football games for some reason. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. Now this is before he's gone to the cross, before he's died. Jesus says, the way you get salvation is you believe on me. I am the way to salvation. I am the way, the truth, and life. You believe in me. You put your faith in me. You put your trust in me. And just like he went into hell and emptied paradise of all those who had believed in God and he took them to eternal heaven, in the same way he'll take you to heaven if you believe in him, if you believe that he is the way to salvation, if you believe he will forgive your sins, if you believe he will make you new, you believe in the good news, the gospel, you will be saved. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day. Today would be the day that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. They would just simply say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that you're the way, the hope, and the life. Come and be the Lord of my life and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Happy Easter. I love you. See you next week.